Welcome back, everybody, to another episode number 77 of the What's Really Going On podcast. Before we get into it, as always, be sure to check out our website at what's really going on pod.com, especially our stuff. If you search that website up slash shop, you can get merch that is always on sale. You can catch us out on Instagram and Twitter at WRGO pod. Subscribe on YouTube where you can watch this video and all of our others in full. Also, be sure to like, listen, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and now iHeartRadio. Of course, I'm joined by Mackenzie and Henry. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, nice fall start? weather outside. Wait, you should also say, check out our article. And I'll, I'll let you promote it. <laughs> Boy, JTL. I would say shout out to the interviewer, but I don't really know. I cannot remember her name. So shout out. Yeah, no, shout out to Voyage Atlanta for highlighting our podcast. Um, Check it out. Link is in our bios. Um, You can find it on our website. Um, But yeah, it just gives you a little bit more background about what we are about, what we're doing in the community and who we've been interviewing, who we plan to interview in the next few months. Um, So yeah, check it out. That is a crisp answer. All right, here we go. So now to start off, we're going to get into some elections talk. Uh, we'll start off with Virginia, which is the first kind of statewide big election since Biden's victory last year. Um, there's been a lot of kind of different stuff happening with the election. And I think it's interesting because it could be telling of how people think about both parties and Biden's agenda. Have you all kind of been and we'll transition this to the Atlanta conversation, but like has your kind of paying attention of elections changed since kind of Biden got in? Because I know I personally have been like, oh, yeah, we got Biden, da 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 we're good. But like, how do y'all feel? Have y'all been paying attention to more like election stuff or have y'all not? Or <laughs> I was waiting on my kids to the answer. <laughs> but um, I, me and my friend actually had like a conversation kind of like this in terms of like, <clears throat> like, the I guess visibility or transparency of the White House right now you know how like every day it was always like chaotic we heard about Donald Trump he's doing something new whatever but like now it just be like dead silence (laughs) you know it's like cricket sometimes um so I guess to like answer your direct question it's back to what it was for me like I'll see stuff on social media if I care about it I pay attention to it if not it's just like whatever um I have been kind of trying to pay attention to like local elections because you know I recently like relocated back home and with that like you always hear noise about Atlanta mayor but like not the surrounding suburban may suburban county mayors and like me and my mom was talking I was like you know I stay in da 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 do they have their home mayor so I had to like go search that stuff up um so yeah, it's like that for me. You know, it's it's more casual than I guess pressing. While while Trump was like air, like he was in office. Um, I will say that I haven't really been paying that close of attention because I guess the election is over, and I feel like after elections, a lot of times things do kind of die off just because elections itself. I feel like create a lot of hype, but I do feel like you know the focus has just been a little bit more on his infrastructure bill, which to be honest, I think it'll create a lot of jobs and, you know, do what it's supposed to do. But I don't think that that's what the focus 
people are on right now. I feel like Haiti has never been directly discussed head on. I feel like we've never really discussed that from him himself. He's his last speech was on his infrastructure bill. And the only time that I feel like they've addressed it was through his press secretary and they try to brush it under the rug. So I didn't really appreciate that. And like Henry said, I feel like, you know, they came in with this whole idea of transparency and at least giving us information and being honest with us. And I just don't feel like that they've held, held their end of that, even though I understand that they're politicians and people don't really, I guess, assume that they're going to drop the ball. But transparency is something that they really, really, I feel like prided themselves on. And I don't feel like they've been um, holding their end of the of their point or whatever. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is like, I think with both of you all have what I can like sense is that there seems to be like this disconnect not only from like Biden but like in like these other campaigns because I can think of like of course like we're all virtual because of COVID but like there are all of these other pressing things that are happening that I think politicians are not talking about like of course like in the Virginia um, governor's race is like an example their main conversation was like infrastructure and like COVID and like how are you going to navigate these things which like okay that's like understandable because you have to have an answer of how you're going to try to deal with COVID and do all these different things. But like, they didn't really talk about like housing, which is like in big cities, really important because people still don't really have money to pay their rents or like student loans. What's going to happen when I think when's the moratorium end? like later this year or early next, like people aren't going to yeah. be able to pay that. Like, and even with the rent, rent sta- stabilizing rent, like I also feel like things like that, that they're not addressing that head on. It'll just be like a short extension, but nothing to really solve the problem that I feel like this point, what are we like two years in at this point? And I feel like no one's like addressing that this is going to be our lifestyle. This is going to take more than a few more months to really get rid of. And it's just kind of like, okay, maybe two more months or maybe three more months. We can, we can just extend it a little bit, but it needs to be something once again, addressed head on and fundamentally like something needs to change because I don't think we're going to be done with COVID for years to come for real. Like after two months, people still aren't going to be able to pay their rent. Even if yeah. too much extension, like that's not, I don't know, Henry. Like, what do you think? I mean, you have. I was about to jump in, but I didn't want to cut nobody off. I was about to say, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that I think that's for me at least the not issue, and I can't think of another word right now. But like, COVID impacted like people's health, people's pockets. It impacted the infrastructure of America, like so. I don't want to say again harshly, but it changed a lot of stuff. And like Mackenzie said, it's that stuff is not going to change for years to come. So, like, I think for me, at least, like, what you guys are saying, like, job security, housing, like, some type of housing programs, because a lot of people still are struggling to pay bills or, like, on their last down. So, like, and this will probably go into the conversation we're having later, but, like, it's easier to get, like, a little, you know, whatever minimum wage job but to like get an actual like corporate job is hard because like the network and all of that behind it so like point I think it's it's a lot of stuff happening and it's affecting a lot of people in different ways um but I definitely think the government could like step up and do more because it like again we've all said this multiple times like it's no real like support or if it is some support it's like lackluster 
What I will say before, like people try to say, like we did mention the infrastructure bill before, but I feel like things that I've seen that he's focused on in the infrastructure bill, because I know a lot of the points that we've said, I feel like rent stabilization, uh, student loans, that would naturally to me be included in the infrastructure bill. But I feel like things that I've seen him really pride himself on is like, you know, eco-friendly stuff, um, stuff to like, that will create jobs, but more of a traditional root of it like creating like so I don't want just so I'm just putting yeah. that out there because he has I feel like e- people who could easily say well that's what the infrastructure bill is going to do it's going to create these jobs for the future but they, like rah, you rah, rah, said, rah. that's like the traditional yeah but I still don't feel like, all, that. like they always come up with some program that creates jobs and then miraculously it somehow doesn't but does like it's like a weird shift um, and even then, the jobs that are created are, you know, subpar pay and people are still like struggling to meet ends meet. So it's like kind of that's like a conversation within itself. Yeah. Um, even like to like expand on what you were saying, Henry, like how that like how that actually trickles down. Like, of course, like someone's getting like a minimum wage check off that. But someone some person who's probably largely white and male is getting some type of profit that we really don't even know because they're the ones who are getting those contracts or doing this or doing that. So I think to your point, and I guess this is a good, that was probably a really good transition into our next conversation about kind of just working while black. Cause I think one thing that I think of before we kind of really get into it is that um, there's still really not like a support system or, you know, kind of an area for black people to really get jobs to what Henry was saying. So Henry, I'll let you kind of tee that up because you were the one who kind of brought it to our attention. Well, I mean, we've all talked about it in different ways. I think it started when Mackenzie mentioned the uh, Bloomberg article and that like survey they did, but like working, working while black and then working from home while black. Uh, those are like two different conversations because a, a study by yeah Bloomberg recently shown that like um, basically job like race relations. Um, have like been better for black people while working from home and we've kind of discussed this but today we want to kind of like delve into it deeply and how it realistically affects us on like all accords from like actually getting jobs holding these jobs um and so on and so forth so like for me I'll say like one is as a black person working in America you deal with all these like micro like aggressions all the time you have to put on a smile and chip her up a little bit and not like I talk mono I speak monotone most times so like most people would they like dang this person is dry or angry or whatever so you have to like you know put inflation on your voice so like for me I've definitely had to you know I guess do this like professionalism thing but I guess I always think it's funny because like my white voice I think I'm using it now (laughs) (laughs) but it's not really a white voice right so like for me I've never really like had to code switch as much well like I had it's difficult for me to explain or understand that's what I'm trying to say so like while like working from home it is kind of cool that you know you can kind of like just not even have to think about it or like put that stress on yourself and like the work day is easier uh or even on the flip side of that looking for a job uh, that's when you have to put on this face front again of, 
you know, this code switch and being professional and enunciating your words and smiling all the time and making sure you're sitting up right and all of this or whatever, <clears throat> just to attempt to get a job and get past through the, you know, interview process and maybe not get a call back because of whatever reason. So uh, I think like all of us probably have had different experiences. Uh, that was just kind of like my perspective. I definitely would like to hear you guys chime in. Mackenzie, please. Um, I guess I'll speak from the perspective of like, I've been interviewing a lot through the pandemic. And I do think that like what Henry said, when you're interviewing as a black person, I do feel like in person, you know, um, you're thinking about your voice, your, your, how you're, how you're presenting yourself. And I do feel like interviewing virtually has, I won't say a hindrance. I don't know if everything would have worked out the same way it would have, if it was in person, but I do feel like I, there's a little bit more pressure on me because I guess I feel like I do have a more monotone vo voice. I feel like my voice is a little bit lower. So because they can't see my my movements, my hand movements or see what I look like in person, I feel like I have to do a little bit more with my voice because that's really <laughs> all they, they can, you know, no, that's all they can really get from like me. This the whole time well not like that but you know I just feel like I have to be a little bit more peppy because they can't see my face my my hands they can't see like how I'm presenting body myself language. Cool. my body language yeah, it's so it's really only this that they're seeing for me and if I like deflect my voice one where I maybe look I don't know it's just all of those things are going through my head because I do feel like I am at a I mean I don't want to say hindrance because who knows maybe it's just something it's that black advantage. people think think about in our heads that nobody else is really considering but I do go through those thoughts when I was interviewing but as far as going in the office and not dealing with micro I, I, I feel like it won't just be microaggressions it's just a little fake small talk or just a little the just fakeness <laughs> I feel like that goes into going to work like what did you do this weekend I'm not really cool with you and, and, and you need to <laughs> fake like fake conversation and I feel like a lot of black people okay can I play devil's advocate to right. like I guess the personable side because for me I was very personable with like the people I work with like I didn't tell them about like too much but you know we were cool like it was casual cool so like just devil's advocate here like why is that an annoyance to be personable with your but, but then and this is where I'll jump in because I think there's a and Mackenzie jump in if I'm if I'm kind of probably misinterpreting what I think you're saying is that there's a difference between where as black people and like I've dealt with this all the time like where I'm cool with you but that doesn't mean that I'm actively going to or I don't have the freedom to take the steps to be as free that as you are as that I can be because you can tell me all about you know the movies you saw and the things that you did this weekend but with black people, we have a kind of a guide of like, I did this this weekend. Do I want to tell them that for fear that they're not going to know what I'm talking about and then going to judge me from just the simple fact that they don't know that I went, that Mackenzie went to Afropunk and she, they're not going to know what that is. Whereas someone could say, I went to some white festival that we either A, know of because that's what happens when you're a minority in this country, you know, somehow everything or you just say, oh, okay. And like, that's just what they're doing. Not, they did something I'm unfamiliar with. So then let me like give them a look. It's like the small things of like, you can't honestly open up yourself. So you have to pick and choose your spots of when do I give a piece of myself knowing that if when I do, they're not going to understand where I'm coming from. So there's just a natural, like, 
it's an awkwardness where it's yeah like, it's that and and low-key yeah afropunk and my little hood rat stories too like how far can yeah. i how, and not even to be on that but you really can't joke like you like a white coworker can tell you that they did some crazy mess that weekend some crazy x-rated stuff I can't tell them that they I did an X-rated situation and be super comfortable that they not gonna tell so and so or misinterpret and that's actually happened like we've ta- I've come come to work and I've seen someone kind of overshare and I saw the white woman kind of misinterpret like casually joking like me and my friend we got into a fight this week. we was fighting like but I got the joke like I don't think they was really fighting but you could see on her head she actually thought that they was brawling on the street. And I hate to be like that, but it's those type of things. It's those little things that could have been a little joke that I've told over the weekend and now is blown out of a proportion. So then that's when I tell our co- coworkers, nothing. I didn't do anything this weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, I get what y'all said for sure, hundred percent. Like, because even for me, like, even though, like I've said, like I'm, I'm cool with, like, you know, my, but I ask more questions about their life than. I don't care. They know about. It. I mean, I mean but that's. I think that's a part of it, though. No, no, Henry. But then I think on the flips, and I think it's like, I think everything plays into something. Where I think like, I can ask them questions about their life, and most likely I know more information about them, their kids. But do people really ask me about my life? There you go. There you go. That's no. what I was getting to. No. That's what I was getting to. And I'm not offended, though. I appreciate my pride. I wouldn't say that I'm a, I'm not offended, but I think that that then goes into what I think. And this what is like, we're talking about. Right. And this is where I'll plug my article that I wrote, where I basically talked about how like going back to work in person is like basically anti-black for all of these things where it's not, we can sit here and act like this space is welcoming to us when there's only one other black person there. It's not like there's no one in leadership. There's the, oftentimes the other people, and at least in my current job, the only other black people I'm seeing are assistants and secretaries. And that has an impact when you don't see people who look like you, when there's no track to see someone ascend, when all your black people on your staff are leaving. And when the black people are just replacing each other, and there's not an active just saying, we found a talented person, and we brought them in, not, oh, we had someone who led our black outreach. So we need to hire another black person to leave our black, like, that's what happens here. And like, I think trying to sugarcoat it to be like, we make the best out of this shit scenario because we have to. And we get paid less and Mackenzie gets paid less than everybody else for no other reason, but because she's a black woman. And I think that's like, it's just not an accepting space. So being virtual allows me, and I'm sure you too, Henry and Mackenzie, like it allows us the time to actually like not have to worry about these performative things where in my free time, I can do whatever I want instead of trying to force a conversation that's just like, you're not understanding me. You're not gonna you try to- something that hit the nail on the head for me because I was, I read something, um, but point, it was like, why are all the people that are interviewing me white? And it's like, that hit the nail on the head for me because like most of these leadership positions or again, higher ups or executives there, of another race and you never see like black faces so for me you just said something like that again hit the nail on the head because I think that's a problem within itself like before COVID and then now it's I think it's going to be even worse um, because of like the nepotism within the companies of how like you got to know somebody 
in the company to get on within the company. So like they're only gonna keep hiring the same type of faces. They're not gonna, like you said, bring someone in new who is just like naturally talented and skilled at, you know, what this HR position or has the like, you know, experience or whatever. And then to even expand on that point, I think the reason why we're not being considered is, and I think this all goes to like the whole aspect of like conversations with white coworkers on a daily, like white coworkers most likely do not consider us their friends. They don't consider us someone that they can say, hey, I just have a position open or I know someone who has a position. Let me see if Mackenzie's interested in that. They just see us as, oh, they're just- can I play devil's advocate again? I honestly don't think you can because I think that's it just- It depends on the- YT person. I think because... it I think in the whole, and Mackenzie jump in here. I think in the whole, there's a reason why we're not in leadership positions. And there's a reason why we're not that is because black people, white people are not ta- are not looking out at their network and they don't have a black face in front of them. Okay, so I think I heard what you said in two different ways because like I agree, they keep us at a certain level. So yeah, if this you know, white cohort of mine or peer of mine knows about a job opportunity. I've had a few of them reach out and tell me about them or even give me contracts. So <clears throat> that's why I was like, if they see you at this certain level for sure, but let's say like that, I don't know, big executive position or director position, are they necessarily going to tell me about it? I don't know. But what I'm saying is that I think that there are that's that then understates that there are not black people at every level and they just don't know them. I think it's like a different thing of like, there are tons of black editors, but are and tons of black freelancers, but are is the New York times or the Washington post. Do they know those people as they know every other white person, even though they're not as talented? No, because they don't actually establish these connections with black people. I think that's the point that I'm trying to say. Yeah. I would agree with the leadership roles because I just feel like the higher up you go, the smaller the circle is. So I just don't feel like they do. I mean, yes, I think white people like on our levels, like if you have a good white coworker friend, maybe they'll send you a job here. But when you get start getting up to the higher, the CEOs, the the CFOs, like the executive suites, I do feel like that is a lack of. Because people, when white people try to look for people of color, they try to act like we're unicorns. And it's like, like we're just these, these, few there's so few black people who are on their stuff and it's ridiculous like it's so that is ridiculous that's ridiculous especially when they have all these quotas and stuff they have to yeah but then that tells me that you are not tapped in because we are unicorns there's so many so many bro and the fact and i guess for us is we all went to Howard, so it's like very different for us, I think, because everybody around us was eager and determined and still to this day have proven success to where they're either grinding to get to that big opportunity or they're at that big opportunity, like doing some make or break stuff. So like with that, I'll just say like, <clears throat> I feel like to kind of double down on what you just said, excuse me, it's like we're not not qualified. We're not we don't lack the experience we uh, lack the opportunity opportunity facts viola davis That's well, no, i was about to say because uh, Issa ray just did this like uh it, it was an interview where she was talking about how like some of the awkward conversations she's having with hbo right now or she's had with hbo to where like she's able to produce and put on like 
authentic, genuine black content and not some force like, mm-hmm. I, you know. Uh, so I like I appreciate that we are, and it's weird because you know like we do see again like people like Issa or not even in the realm of like entertainment. We have people wherever breaking records and doing like extremely like cool things um but on the flip side of that how many are of us are getting exposed to those opportunities to even break more records because i i swear i'd be tired of seeing the first black so and so (laughs) it's like bro we hit 2021 yeah i mean and like that's i think the thing that i'm tired of and i think i've dealt with a lot is where you know companies can always kind of juice not juice the stats but they can be honest and say oh we're a diverse company it's like, yeah, because you got all of them in the warehouse. Like, you got all them shipping boxes. You don't have any of them, you know, right. in marketing. You don't have any of them in field operations, technical operations. You just have all of them stocking stuff. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. so you do technically have 35% people of color. It just happens that 95% of that number is our hourly employees. You don't, and I yeah, think- like, our like, contract employees. Right, and I think that reflects on- companies and I think more companies need to be called out of like hey your c-suite is or not even your c-suite your vp and above level let's say if you're a big company like pepsi how many of those people are black how many of those people are women how many people how many of those people are black women yeah they need to be taken to task for that like companies especially that serve our community why are you not having your head of marketing be a black person when they're talking only to us why is your head? That's what they're pissing me off. Why is your head of communications not talking to us? Why is your head of technical, you know, stuff not connecting, doing this, this, and this? And I think that needs to be more of a conversation that people need to force directly on these companies because they can do all this whole corporate social responsibility. But one, if you're not taking care of your black employees and if you're not actively seeking ways to bring more black and brown employees in, it's all pointless. Yeah. It's really all pointless. Um, Speaking of something that's pointless, um, we'll now talk about Biden's HBCU plan. News first broke. Shout out to McKenzie for plugging this up. Uh, Biden's HBCU plan just dropped. It uh, He was talking hot stuff at first, uh, an expansive plan that was for $45 billion. It now uh, it reportedly is at around somewhere around $2 billion. What are you gonna say, McKenzie? I think you. Oh, you went out on my end. Oh, got yeah, it. you went out for a second. I was like, you said now it's two billion, and then it oh. got solid. I was like, well, that's the perfect thing because that's ridiculous to have such an extensive amount, and then now you've shortened it. That is trimming out, especially when you have the audacity <laughs> to say if you ain't black. You're not black if you don't vote for me or whatever he said when he came on the podcast. Should we should have had that clip to roll, honestly. <laughs> because I can't believe it. Honestly, Kamala, where is the transparency on this? Kamala, and I would actually want to hear from Kamala at this point because you definitely rode on the coattails of HBC. That was your thing, girl. Dilly, was she was at the H2 game talking about... Um, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to look up the story now of the reasoning on why. I'm sure it's some great, wonderful reason. This audio is getting choppy.
Um, but yeah, what do you think, Henry, about the um, HBCUs? But yeah, I de- like I said earlier, I think it's like uh, um, weird that it went uh, also second um, about this simply because she went to HBCU. She definitely went to HBCU. Um, and like, you're just a black woman. <laughs> you know, so like, it's just questions for me. Uh, I personally don't understand. I didn't really read into it because I was just like, oh, this, they're doing what they do. You know, they promise something and don't really like follow through what they promised with because we still waiting on these student loans but yeah that's kind of my yeah my only thing is where's where's Kamala because I ain't seen her in a minute but and we demand answers (laughs) but in the same breath in the same breath and I was having this conversation earlier today it hurts my soul it does um Howard has also, as many of y'all know, we are Howard alum. Howard has also gotten a lot of money. And I just, the money definitely needs to be put to good use. So I hate to say it, but cut funding to Howard at this point, because I don't know where the money's going to, because they looking real crazy up there, for real. Ain't it going to Frederick? Didn't the report come out? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. He's the highest paid president in DC. That's the problem. That's the problem. And the funny thing is, I, I, I don't have it like that's fine. Like that's honestly fine because Howard is a great institution. It just is it's a bad look when the president's doing all this and like there are just other issues that have persisted. And like, okay, cool, Frederick. Like you do you a med school student, you apparently a doc, uh, you know, a teacher at the med school, you do surgeries on the weekends, because we heard that a thousand times. But like <laughs> there are a lot of bandos at Howard that need to be. But that's my problem. You can't be making all this bread glowing on TV every chance you get, but your school looking like crazy in every single day. Y'all seen the videos? Somebody in the towers of pipe busted, flood water mold. Stop, stop it. And I'm, no, no, another thing, because everybody's like trying to hush, hush, hush. No, don't talk about no. Because a lot, a lot of this stuff been happening behind closed doors for too long. And, and I'm singing. And, and, and funny enough, point. that's probably a, a problem with Howard is I think we're like so protective that oftentimes we try to like shade yeah. stuff where it's like, no, we need to like talk about it. Like, yeah, Howard don't offer people scholarships. Howard don't do this. Like, I love my school, but like they got problems. Right now. <laughs> so on that note, um, I guess we'll talk about the Super Bowl. I'll let, uh, I really, I don't have that much of a strong opinion about it, but Mackenzie, I'll let you kind of. I mean, why not? Because you're going to be the one watching it. Me and Mackenzie, I, I will be the one. I mean, I, you definitely about to watch the Super Bowl. I, have, let's, bro, let's, I don't even let's watch. I don't people. even, listen, let me clarify right now, right here. Excuse me. Before Colin Kaepernick, I, I the last time I paid attention, I'm to not talking it. about you gonna watch the sports and, and no, but, but you no, that, I'm about to say even halftime show, like when Beyonce performed that time, I didn't watch it. I had to like go on YouTube or something to watch it. The last time well, I was one of the cool kids that's too cool to watch the halftime performance. I don't, I I don't like sports for one, two. I haven't sat down and watched a Super Bowl game since like. Bruh, like high school. So Henry not watching well, that. I Two, was, I'm on Noah here because he's Mr. Collard. Good. 
Purdue and Durant and still be watching goddamn football regularly. And you talking about you ain't gonna tune in, but stop line. We're all flawed. Well, we're all flawed people. Okay. God's working well, on all. I had, I had to pull out my Atlanta accent for okay, you. But for the people, the lineup, if you have not heard, is Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg. Now, Dr. Dre obviously is problematic. Yeah. I, the outside of Dr. Dre. Why he dropped the problematic? Um, he hits women. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah. And he looked crazy. But anyways, everybody after that, Mary J. Blige is about to be on the super. That's that's a moment. Like, yeah. When Mackenzie told me this, she said, "I guess Jay Z's doing his job." I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess this is what the kids are calling protesting from within. I guess this is protesting from within. Whatever. I just feel like I hate Eminem and Dr. Dre. So that's my yeah. Opinion. I but also like nice halftime because this is something I feel like we would never see during the Super Bowl performance. However, this is a wacky group of people. Yeah. <laughs> also, like what even yeah. is this? What's being a wacky group? <clears throat> Snoop Dogg, Mary J, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick, like at least before, like they had J Lo, uh, Shakira. That well, no, this sense. is the thing I was about to say. What Eminem white because <laughs> I was about to say they don't have a authentic like a other performer, but he's white, so but he's a rapper, so it's like uh, so like the what I was about to say, I think is one, all of these people they're directly marching to a black older audience yeah they are well the state it's gonna be in california so dr dre snoop dogg and kendrick lamar makes sense to rep the la local right and then dr dre and eminem work closely together and then yeah eminem brought along and then mary j is just i'm really just mary j right now she's just like a black woman so yeah sense you know what i'm saying and again, they're marketing directly to the black people overall, because like the nostalgia of these names are going to pull in, you know, the younger crowd and the people who are struggling on the fence to watch. But yeah. they're definitely going to tap back into that 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 the older market who has been like swaying back and forth. Oh, I'm not watching. Or I'm gonna just watch my team games or whatever. Everybody about to tune in. They probably gonna hit record, not record, but they're gonna be back up in numbers and stuff. You know. But we just have to talk. This is still not enough, even though we over here fangirling. This is not enough. What are y'all actually doing for the community? Maybe, but I will Didn't say they make some new before, rule before, before I put my foot in my black mouth. Players, Noah? Huh? <laughs> you said no. 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 I ain't do nothing new that I knew of. Before, uh, yeah, I will say, before I put my foot, I will say maybe they will be doing some type of partnership some little you know how they do like little outside volunteer whatever program People build a community garden in compton the day yeah of. yeah something like that um so maybe that's coming but that's the lineup watch if you don't i mean if you don't even it's not even a matter if you're not gonna watch because you're definitely gonna see the gonna yeah, you're gonna, so you're gonna see them you're gonna watch it's just um I'm just curious to see how they're really going to come together as one or if they're not going to come together as one because that really is a random group of people. I think it's going to be very mismatched. I don't know how you merge. Yeah, it's literally giving mixed match. Bro, it's really not. Like, Dr. Dre, 
But and most of the acts during the Super Bowl Ooh. definitely come together at some point. Like that's what this kid made. Snoop and Dr. Dre got sons together for sure. Snoop yeah. and Eminem worked together for sure. Yeah. Eminem and Dr. Dre have worked together. The only like random person is Mary J. But again, I'm pretty sure Mary J has worked with them at some point in her career. Even if so, it's Mary J. Blige. She I was like there star singing goddamn on anything. I'm just here for Mary J. Blige. It's it's it sounds like a lot of Dr. Dre, which I don't really want to have. Like, I mean, he mm. might. I don't want to say headline, but he might be the one culture. Like, I think he's the one connecting produce. everybody together. Yeah, like, the connecting dot. I've never been there. Mm. Yeah. So uh-huh. that's February 13, twenty twenty two. See you there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll talk about it. Um, we got this faithful thing. Do we, do we really want to talk about this? I, don't yeah, I mean, it's not really anything that we could talk about outside of like, you know, don't rely on social media to like build your businesses. Uh, that's what I would just say. Or, uh, or rather, I will help scaling. Contact me. <laughs> that's what I would say toward that. I will then pose a question because this is something that I have thought about and then we can end it here. But um, is it social media's responsibility to curb the speech of people because I think that's one thing that I've been thinking a lot about where I think that yes naturally Facebook is getting Facebook is hitting and hit with issues because they are amplifying misinformation and stuff like that Um, but is Facebook the main person to blame I think they're a, a very big person to blame but I don't know how we fix that I think stopping Facebook is not the only way to solve that if someone's going to share I'm not saying, are you basically asking should they censor certain content i mean it does come down to censoring essentially i think it, I think it comes down to censor yeah basically it basically. does because it's it is it's a very thin line because it's like who's to at the end of the day say something is wrong yeah but Where, that's when they have all these stupid like the only thing that they should be held accountable for is like really amplifying stuff that they know is wrong because then which you, they have, <laughs> which yeah. they have, and that's the problem. But like, but and there's something else that I noticed that's like I just very suspicious as well that they the whistleblower thing happened. Um, and if you don't know, somebody anybody want to give the spiel? Basically, a whistleblower on their team basically said what we just talked about is that Facebook searches their algorithm has like a built-in model of accounting for people who are spreading hate or misinformation because they know it makes them more money and generates more ad revenue. So they have a preference to share that content and give those, you know, kind of content users special features to then end up making them more money versus Henry can tweet something or post something. And it's just another thing in the ether. But if someone who says that, um, I don't even really know, like COVID gave them some disease that it's not at all linked to they're going to then elevate that post and share it among more people because they know it's just going to keep people engaged on the app which makes them more money that's basically what so knowing that and with that said and i've seen people post stuff about haiti that was going on like and they were getting flagged saying that that information was false and it was just kind of like knowing that you're amplifying things that are false and then maybe flagging things that are truthful i don't know it just gets really complicated but to answer your question, do I, they, I think they should be held accountable to some extent, but as far as censoring people, I don't know. I don't know how you yeah, do that. I, I, don't I don't know how I, you really, truly well, do that. that. And at least have, in a democracy. Uh, guidelines they have to meet. I can't think of <laughs> how so quiet. I've seen her trying to think of the... Uh, but it just gets so tricky. Like, 
Yeah, uh, it's almost yeah. like I think you would have to, or what I would want is they would have to obviously be like a certified hate group, or they would have to meet some type of yeah some threshold of they're openly spreading harmful information. But then someone could ask the question, okay, well, who determines what's harmful? Yeah. And even like, of course, there's for us as black people and people who are all of the same age and like-minded experience, there's things that we would say, hey, this is objectively wrong, but someone would say, is it? And then yeah. what happens after that, I don't know. So I think that's why I'm asking the questions, like, can that even be curbed? Or is like, is this just something that with social media companies where like, this is the downside and I'm kind of more mm -hmm. thinking like, this is just kind of, this is what it is. Like, what's to, what's to stop someone from sharing something that's not true? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you can. Like, how can they? How can they? They share, share yeah. unless it's flagged or something. I think that is true, or I think they just need to. Clearly, they just need to put more resources behind. Figuring. Well, that's the thing. They're not concerned. It's a business at the end of the day. I agree. I agree, but I think that's when my maybe the regulation comes in. But then, what that looks like to Mackenzie's point, I don't. I don't necessarily know. It's a harder question to answer. And on that note. Uh, this has been episode number 77. Thank you, Henry and Mackenzie, for joining us as always. Be sure to check out our website at what's really going on.com or what's really going on pod.com. Be sure to subscribe uh, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, where we just got announced. Be sure to subscribe and like and comment on YouTube, where you can watch this video and all of our videos in full, including Mackenzie's new three by three black. Uh, and <laughs> but you have to only look at youtube to see and be sure to follow us on twitter and instagram at wrgopod thanks guys